What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. Today, we have another techie or ex techie or prior techie, however you want to say it, that has decided that. Uh, he may make him a little bit more money, a little more freedom in real estate. Imagine that. So, Sif uh, Kafagi, he was, as we said, an ex-techie. He turned real estate investor. He's helped thousands diversify into real estate. That's what we talk about. He spent nearly five years at Facebook, where he built the second largest engineering organization across the world. A thousand hires later, it hit him. What is the most important asset? It's its people. So today he's the founder of Tech Investor, which helps real estate investors and busy professionals like you passively invest in the emerging emerging asset class of what what's the most popular thing right now? Short-term rentals, aka Airbnbs. Steve, how you doing? I'm good, Michael. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, a little bit about your uh, your background. You know your plugging away at Facebook and what was the light bulb moment? Well, light bulb is I joined an early Facebook company, an early Facebook team that allowed me to build and create. We were a team of, I don't know, 80, 90 people at the time, took it to about 1100 by the time we left. Um, And I missed the building phase. Um, And granted, we were in the space of short-term rentals, myself and my family and some of our business partners. Uh, COVID just made what we were doing a lot more common, right? In tech, we work remote or we were working remotely a lot more normally than the common man, I guess, these days. Um, and so when COVID happened, I was like, great, you know, we should buy more short-term rentals. And uh, like any uh, techie, uh, we found that the process of finding and setting up and designing and furnishing and operating short-term rentals, uh, I'm sure you understand it being in the mm-hmm. hotel space in the past, is um, it's not easy and it's a full-time job to your average person. So um, I was blessed with being at Facebook for five years. Sabrina, who's my co-founder, was, you know, build, she built AirPods over at Apple. So we just come from these places of significant technological advancements. And we entered real estate and specifically SCRs. And it was old and slow and archaic. And we were frustrated like hell. So we built software that allowed us to basically do our entire jobs easier, an operating system for short-term rentals, if you may, that allowed us to find these these properties, underwrite them more accurately, have the best data, make every decision with how we price it, to design it, to acquire it, to finance it, using industry-leading data. Um, And before we knew it, we currently run a $16 million fund with hundreds of investors all across the country, plenty of them in tech. Uh, who wanted to get exposure to this asset class in a passive, you know, keep my hands clean, not dirty kind of way. 
Yeah, you know, it's fascinating. So, you know, how many people do this? You know, well, I don't think enough. You see a need and you're like going, why are they doing it this way? Why hasn't anyone, you know, haven't they ever heard of tech, you know? And you, you take it and use your experience and create something. Uh, so let's get into that, you know, just a, a little bit so our uh, our listeners can understand. So what does your tech do, that software? You're saying, you know, find it, finance it, you know, do, I mean, all these different things. But is it somehow finding you the leads to buy the houses? Or are you doing some type of a list that's calling trying to you know obtain houses and you know let's take it that part and then you know because i'm i, I know real estate i'm just kind of curious yeah is it is that what you guys do at the, at the start yeah it's a great question so our software really allows us to do three things right it's, it's kind of like the key big takeaways the first part is top of funnel right how do you identify and underwrite not one property at a time but every single property across the country that hits the market in real time Right. We have to also remember like two years ago, real estate market, right? What was going on? I mean, things were just flying off the shelf, 20 offers, all cash overnight, like speed mattered, right? So when we entered the market, what we needed to understand is where are the best properties coming on market? What's the underwriting, right? So we could make decisions quicker and basically pull the trigger. And so fun fact, 94% of properties we underwrite are shit. They don't work. Yeah. So as you might imagine, if you're doing all this manually, you're spending all your time on unnecessary activities. You're not productive. So we automated the ability to underwrite over 60,000 properties a month across 270 different markets across the country, right? In any market we, we want to enter, we can easily just add it to our, our software and boom, we can underwrite it automatically as soon as properties hit the MLS. So that was like about discovery, right? Discovering what to buy and going from there. Second part is about what's the most optimal financing strategy based on whatever our goal is, right? Are you going PI, IO, how much down? What's your cash flow? What's the target? How much risk do you want to take? Because we're building a portfolio, right? So we look at portfolio risk a little bit more than we look at on a single asset level of risk, right? Um, so that's step two. And then the third part really is about great. Now, once we have it acquired, What's the data points that's telling us what we need to do to this property in terms of renovations, design, furnishings? Does it need a hot tub? How do we price it? You know, all these things are, there's a lot of unstructured data out in the world around these topics. So we basically did is between both humans and technology, where it be able to combine this to streamline making decisions across those fronts. Yeah, I, that's amazing. And, you know, just to be able to do that, because so, I'm, people are just chasing their tails trying and they make a lot of mistakes. looks like you guys just, if you can automate it, you know, do it right. Just makes it so much easier. Now, do you, you're talking about the entire United States. Are you, are you concentrating in specific areas in um, metros, urban? It, it doesn't matter. Um, doesn't matter at all. You know, my like zero anywhere we want to enter tomorrow. Um, I'm going to share my screen here because you, you might be able to see it. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, the, the listeners won't, but we can literally enter a location on a map and like within 15 minutes, we'll have everything completely underwritten, uh, in a heartbeat. Wow. I mean, that, that's so, just absolutely amazing. Now, and how do you, all the regulations, the different states, municipalities, how do you handle, um, Hey, can I do this in this area or this town? And, you know, like, 
you see all these signs popping up, you know, hotels, yep. not homes and, you know, and all these different things. How do you, um, how do you know the different regulations? Is that just something it's built in or is that a human great question? It's a great question. Um, while look, you know, we're a real estate company first powered by technology, right? Mm-hmm. We're actually not a technology company that does real estate. And I think that's a really important distinction um, because of the way we approach problems. Uh, we don't believe technology solves all. In fact, real estate is and will always be, in our opinion, a human-driven business um, because there are qualitative instincts that we uh, you just can't vet through technology. And regulations and permitting at the township and ordinance and HOA levels down yeah. to that T is one of them, yeah. right? Um, so the reason our software also helps us in doing that is, as I mentioned, 94% of properties we underwrite don't work. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we're able to avoid looking into markets or municipalities that wouldn't pencil anyway. Therefore, no reason for us to explore the regulation. So when we identify markets that do work, one of the first things we do is vet out the municipalities and the regulation and permitting. And, you know, the thing is, you don't need to find 200 markets, right? Like, for example, today we're on property number 43. We're in, uh, we're in our ninth market this year. Right, nine markets, forty plus properties, sixteen million. I mean, you can deploy a good amount of capital when you find those sweet spots in those markets. You don't need a hundred places to invest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense. It's there's certain areas that I will never buy a hotel. Right, yep. just the the government, the state government, the levels, the you know, the whether or not just the taxes and uh, doesn't make sense. You know, and you know, COVID taught me a lot on wow. You know, I'm going to perhaps second kind of second guess if I do something in a municipality that just immediately shut down and now I have no choice but to go under with that hotel because the bank may only give me three months deferment but the government will shut me down the state government you know six seven months eight months did you see any of that or were you just Boom, people wanted Airbnbs. Did you see any of that during COVID? You know what we saw in some of our personal short-term rentals at the time is when the pandemic, the federal order basically said, hey, like everyone stay home, Yeah. right? Obviously you had like federal versus state at the time in terms of what people were allowed and not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we owned properties in both uh, states that were, you know, uh, more pro-federal or pro-state at the time, Right. And uh, what we what we saw is people inherently could not be caged in, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, it may have felt or was illegal to book things at the time, but people still did it, right? Because they were like, you know what, I'm not going to be told to stay inside. I'm going to go out now. Um, I think they did it responsibly. I think there was rules and regulations and cleanliness things that came out of COVID that really impacted the way you look at the world of short-term rentals. And I think a lot of those are for the positive, right? Like cleanliness is really important. I think Airbnbs were actually a safe haven in many cases where people were were social distancing Mm -hmm. or wanted to get away or go be one with nature or go explore or or just travel or be a nomad Mm -hmm. or this work from life, uh, sorry, work from home uh, type of nomad lifestyle. I think it opened up a lot of things um, in a lot of positive ways because it forced society to really accept this as an asset class and look at us, look where we're at today, right? We're recording this in August. Um, how many companies, you know, today that are almost either exclusively remote or so much more flexible mm-hmm. than they were before the pandemic. It's because they're forced to be mm-hmm. right. And because they're forced to be, we think this asset class was accelerated 
by the pandemic in terms of it being an incredibly viable um, emerging and what will soon to be an institutionalized asset class of the future. And what made you choose STRs at, at the beginning? You know, the first thing, you know, as a capitalist was the returns, right? Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, like the returns were unmatched, everything about them. Um, the second thing was the lack of competition, right? So when you, where you have outsized returns, typically you would see incredible amounts of competition, mm. right? Because everyone knows about it. Everyone's trying to do it. With STRs, uh, you know, even a, a year or two ago, you had all this cash flow, all this growth, but you didn't have competition. Your competition was coming from 99% of the time, mom and pops, right? Mm-hmm. Your neighbor or the person across the street who came, was taking photos on their iPhone 6 camera, right? Designing it like it's, you know, the 1970s and not understanding how to price or how they have no data, they have no advantage, right? We came into this with capital, with technology, with a team of super hosts who understand this space with all these advantages where the low hanging fruit to improve and beat out the competition was, um, to be quite honest, just rather simple, right? It, you know, in multifamily as an example, right? And even potentially in hotels, which I know you know much better, you, you're dealing and in, in fighting against these institutions who are incredibly well capitalized, mm-hmm. right? And it, it could even be a race to zero. In STRs, it was quite the opposite. Right. You could do very simple things and just dominates the market. Right. And so with that and with our advantages that we had, we saw it as a prime opportunity also kind of reaffirmed with what the pandemic forced us to do. Right. So we always talk about like uh, trends that are in with tailwinds, right. Trends with tailwinds. So what are trends with tailwinds? Yep. Flexible living, flexible lifestyles. I, we think people will share homes in the future right? And not actually have a single place to live. So all of these kind of tailwinds that were reaffirmed by the pandemic and currently today, as we're hopefully on the back end of Mm -hmm. of this pandemic, are all saying STRs, STRs, STRs. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you brought that up. Um, A couple months ago, I had a gentleman on the podcast and what he did is he took all of his rentals and he said, look, you know, the, the Gen Z's they don't want to rent. They don't want to own. They don't want to, you know, but what they do, what we'll do is cohabitat. So they, they're taking these four or five bedroom houses and there could be someone living in it that is not their, their own family. They have a communal living room, TV room, and that's kind of what they're going towards. You know, if, if it's not the kind of living in the STRs, but they're kind of cohabitating in kind of roommates. And yeah, and very happy with that. Yeah, you're going to actually see this. All, I mean, I'll, I'll share it with you here as a sneak peek. You'll see this from us uh, potentially as early as this year or potentially sometime next year. Uh, we're working on the co-living model where we'll take a yeah. three, four bedroom home, turn it into a six or seven bedroom and rent it out by the room. Yeah. Right. And the cash flows are absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus what you would get that on a traditional single family home. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're working on that. Like everything that we do here at Techfester is all about alternative real estate investments. Our first asset class of choice is short-term rentals because the cash flow is high, the yield is high, and it's a mispriced asset. That's our belief. And what are some of the other reasons why someone listening today would want to invest in the short-term rentals instead of any of the other type of real estate? I think if you're looking for things like yield or you're looking for diversification or you're looking for an alternative play or something that might be a grand slam and not just a single or a double, you know, if you're looking for your basic, you know, hit a six to 10% year, year, year return for a long period of time, that's unlikely to be us. Right. 
right. we believe will will be pretty decent cash flows, right? Nine to twelve percent a year um, in terms of yield. And we think if we're right, if our thesis and strategy is correct, and this is where socioeconomic type behaviors are changing, we think over the next two, three, four, five, ten years that we'll hit multiple grand slams in terms of the equity velocity that we have here, right? We're part business, part real estate. Uh, you get the same tax benefits you would in terms of owning your own real estate. My favorite part though is in this asset class, very similar to multifamily um, or hotels. If you want to get into those asset classes, it's very, it's damn near impossible to be the operator and have a day-to-day -day job, right? It's just, it's just damn near impossible, right? And so the only way to do it successfully and to really protect your capital to the utmost of protection from a fiduciary and responsible way, partner with good operators. And we believe we are the best operator in the short-term rental space. Yeah, that's great, great, great advice for everyone. It's And that is so important. You need to vet your general partners. You have to vet the companies. Uh, just don't go, hey, you know, hey, buddy, you know, call for your buddies up. Hey, let's go buy five or six short-term rentals. It, number one, get a mentor. And that could be someone like C for just, you know, watch how they do it. Once you, once you get into it, uh, it's just so important. I see so many people just ruining their bank accounts, you know, because they watch HGTV and said, Oh man, that looks easy. You know, it's just yeah. crazy. Um, talking about your fund or your, is it, five years, seven years is a long-term, you know, when someone gets into it, let's kind of walk through, uh, you know, credit investors, uh, walk us through what you're looking for when you are looking for uh, passive investors. Yeah. So we are a five-year fund, our projected five-year hold. Um, in terms of projected outcomes, we're targeting that eight to 12% kind of cash on cash range. We're targeting a you know, two to two and a half, maybe three X equity multiple. Again, this is an early asset class without too much, you know, backwards history of this space. Uh, we're buying single family homes based on value and selling them based on the revenue, right? Very similar to how you would sell multifamily or hotels based on that NOI um, in terms of what it's spitting off. Um, we work directly with accredited investors exclusively. Um, if you are a non-accredited investor, there are partners of ours that partner with us that you can work with them, uh, but working directly with us is, exclu is exclusively accredited. Um, and you should be comfortable with a, you know, a three, five or seven year hold in that timeline, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a cash flow type focus fund, uh, quarterly distributions uh, in that capacity. Uh, we've done very well, you know, in our or in our first year thus far, which we're coming up on one year here in November. Um, in multifamily, right, you can expect to kind of get threes, fours, cash on cash, maybe your yeah. first year, right? At best kind of a thing. Like we'll, we're on track to be about double that in our first year, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so like we are an income play, um, you know, same cost seg, tax benefits you're going to get across the board and with all these types of syndicates. Mm -hmm. um, and I think at the end of the day, we, we intersect at this beautiful world of technology kind of venture and startup mixed with traditional private equity and syndicate. Um, so that's really an advantage of ours. And so that's what people can expect. And of course, all the goodies of investor portals and transparency and all that kind of good stuff in terms of the experience. Now, you know, you do syndications and funds. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the difference between them, you know, you know, the syndication, you, you have the house, you know, it's like, yeah, here, these are the, what I'm doing. A fund is like, well, give me a lot of money and I'll go find something. You may not know where it is or what, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about the 
difference between the two so they can understand. Yeah. So our structure specifically is a fund. Uh, in fact, it is a multi-asset blind fund. And so what that means is exactly as you described it, Michael. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know necessarily what we're going to buy next. And we don't know how big our fund necessarily will be, but we do generally have guidelines of what we're buying in terms of asset class. We know how long the fund should generally survive. And so if you're investing in a fund in this capacity, uh, you're investing really in the business plan, the ability to execute with the operator in terms of a thesis or strategy that you believe in. Um, in a fund that is a, a single asset or known assets where they're not adding any new assets to the portfolio, that would be known as a you know, potentially multi-asset uh, known fund, right? There's no blind part there. Um, and then in traditional syndicates, oftentimes it's a single asset or a single property um, for the most part of which uh, you know the property that you're investing in. It's already typically under contract or under LOI of some extorts. And you are investing really in the underlying principles of that asset. Uh, in addition to the operator's ability to perform whatever their business plan or strategy is to improve said property, to achieve said return, right? Um, and we operate in the fund model because it gives us the utmost flexibility to really go out and do what we do best, which is get creative, design these properties well, operate them better. Um, and so far our year-to-date performance is, you know, 52% higher occupancy than our competitors, 42% higher revenue. These are the types of metrics that we track uh, because we're part business and part real estate. And that's really what you should track when you're looking at a fund versus a syndicate. Wow. I mean, fantastic. You know, everybody, again, it's, uh, it's a different way to do the short-term rentals. And I've always said this, you know, when you get into asset classes that you're not familiar with, you don't have experience with, you need to partner, just like Steve said, don't just do it. I did it alone back in the day and fried my, you know, it just crash and burn and you know but i'm old and i did it pre-google days okay i didn't have <laughs> i didn't have mentors or anything so i learned the hard way ladies and gentlemen don't learn the hard way there it's just too easy now to park your passive income diversify into funds into reputable companies um you know just like tech vester and with the uh, Seif. now Seif. Before we uh, end, how can people find you? How can people get more information about this fund? Yeah, if you're ever interested in learning more about, uh, you know, short-term rentals or our fund in general, you can head over to techvestor.com. There's a beautiful big purple button in the top that says request invite. You can talk to someone on our investor relations team, see if it's a good fit for you. Um, we also have a ton of data on our website if you're just looking to get educated on the space. Uh, we lead with education first, um, both to ourselves and to investors. So there's a ton of data on the history of short-term rentals and all the uh, things that we're building. In fact, something that we'll release probably later this year, early next year is a live real-time dashboard on our website of exactly how our portfolio is doing in real time, right? Um, so you can see exactly how things are going. So, you know, ask the questions, um, get your answers, understand the asset class. Um, and, you know, we're here to be a, a resource for you in any type of way. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Sif Kafagi. And uh, we appreciate you coming on again. It's Tech Investor. Tech Vester. Or Tech Vester. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm got the investors on my mind. Tech Vester, techvester.com. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Richard Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, 
including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichardgeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.